1: has arranged to betray Jesus quietly and privately to the Jerusalem authorities. They were afraid of the crowds, and so they have now conducted a speedy trial by night. The climax of the trial was when the high priest demanded that Jesus answer a straight-up question, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? To which Jesus answered, I am. And that was all the evidence they needed. Jesus was either the worst kind of blasphemer or he was the son of God. And they've made their decision. And now they need the help of Pilate to put Jesus to death. We pick up the story at verse 1. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate asked him again, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer. So that Pilate was amazed. You see, the Jews needed Pilate's help because the Romans did not generally allow their subject peoples the privilege of capital punishment. The Jews could look after minor affairs themselves, but if they wanted to execute somebody, they had to go through the Roman governor. And Roman governors, by and large, were not interested in matters of religion. So when they delivered Jesus to Pilate, they don't charge him with blasphemy, a charge that Pilate probably wouldn't have known what to do with. They charge him with sedition. They say that the people are ready to claim Jesus as their king. And they claim that Jesus said that he was the king. Now, we already know from reading Mark's gospel that that isn't quite true. It's sort of true. Certainly the people were ready to claim Jesus as king. But it's not quite true that Jesus said he was the king. Jesus was the Messiah. But that term meant more than simply king. And that's why Jesus didn't give Pilate a straight answer here. He doesn't acknowledge the accuracy of the question. So he just says, you have said so. It's not a denial and it's not precisely agreement either. The story continues at verse six. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Now, there's great irony in the fact that the crowd asked for Barabbas rather than Jesus. The name Barabbas means son of the father. In Aramaic, you put the word bar before the father's name. So we've already met the blind Bartimaeus, and we're told his, he was Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, right? Bar means son of. Abba means father. So Barabbas means son of the father. You're probably starting to hear the irony. Clearly, they asked for the wrong one. Now, to say that Pilate had scourged Jesus is to say a great deal that we might not hear in our modern day context. A Roman scourging was no light manner. Uh, people often died under a Roman Scourging. When you compare Mark's account to John's account, it actually seems that Pilate was hoping to resolve this matter somewhere in the middle, somewhere short of crucifixion. He was thinking that if he scourged Jesus and presented him to the authorities and they saw what he looked like, when they saw what a Roman scourging could do, maybe they'd be satisfied with that. But they weren't. Mark skips over Pilate's motives and simply presents this scourging as part of the horrific buildup to the cross. Verse 16 goes on to say, And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passer by, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. Now, Again, this is likely due to the fact that Jesus had been weakened by an extraordinary scourging. Pilate's trick had ended up backfiring. He had hoped to save Jesus, it seems, from the cross, but in the end, he just made it worse. Jesus is now so bloody and drained that the soldiers have to recruit a pilgrim to help carry the cross. And this pilgrim, church history says, became a Christian. And that seems to be why Mark, bothers to mention that he was the father of Alexander and Rufus. Obviously, those men were now well-known to the early Christians who were reading this gospel. Verse 22 says, And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. Him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is quoting from Psalm 22 there, verse 35. And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he's calling for Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come This is the theological climax of Mark's gospel. All throughout this gospel, Mark has been arguing that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior that we need. And here in this paragraph, he reaches the climax of his argument. Even the Roman soldier now is convinced. Truly this man is the Son of God. How can there be any further doubt? If you weren't convinced by his life, surely you are convinced by his death listen to me, friends, the Bible doesn't contain an airtight argument. Rather, it presents an airtight person. Look at Jesus. Look at his life. Look at what he said. Look at what he did. Now, look at how he died. What do you see? And what do you say? The Roman soldier said, truly, this man was the son of God. What say you? The fact that the curtain was torn in two is highly significant. It means that the way home to God is now open. This is an invitation. This is God saying, you may come to me now, but only through the blood of the cross. The cross, my friends, is how we get home. Jesus is the Son of God, and he is the Savior that we need Verse 40 goes on to say, There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James the younger and of Josie's and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. There were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. Summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock and he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid Now the fact that Joseph of Arimathea a respected member of the council asked Pilate for the body of Jesus proves that not all of the Jewish leaders were opposed to Jesus a minority believed in his claims, and many subsequently became his followers. Chief among them was Joseph of Arimathea. He took a great risk in going to Pilate. But Pilate was eager to do something to appease the followers of Jesus. He didn't want to riot, and he didn't mind sticking it to the Jewish council, who had forced him to do something that he never wanted to do in the first place. So he released the body, and Joseph buried him in the tomb. And the women saw where he was laid. We'll talk more about that tomorrow.
0: Thank you, friends, for listening to another episode of Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those at intotheword.ca. You can also connect with Pastor Paul and other Bible readers on the Into the Word Facebook page. Just type Into the Word into the search bar. If you'd like to contribute to this listener-supported program, go to the website and click the Give bar in the top right corner. Once again, that's into theword.ca. We hope to see you again real soon right here for another episode of Into the Word. Thank you.